He's awesome and uh, he's ever-present and I just want to give him glory for everything that's happening in our midst and in our lives. And this morning I want to speak on this very God, our God, my God, an infinite God, an everlasting God. That's why I got Teresa to sing that song this morning, Everlasting God. And I want to share a little bit on that this morning to help us. I know we, we know this, but it's good to reflect upon that, isn't it? That the absolute truth that God is everlasting and more than everlasting, He is infinite. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles or your, your devices, find Isaiah 9. And I know we quite often share this scripture around Christmas time. But it's a great scripture where I want to start this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you that even as we reflect upon these truths, Lord, you will just impart it into our hearts. Lord, help us to understand just how infinite and abundant and everlasting you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Isaiah 9 and Verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. Who's that talking about? We know it. We know it. Jesus. Guys, we know who it is? Jesus. All right. What about over here? Do we know who that is? Jesus. Cool. All right. That's confirmed. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and, what's it say? And forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Luke 1, 31 and 33. Let's quickly go there. This is uh, the Holy Spirit, the angel talking to Mary. and he, He says to her, You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over his house of Jacob, over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. His kingdom will have no end. Hebrews 1.8 says something similar in reference to Luke 1. And it says, your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. Do you notice the language of the writers here? Who's picked that up? Who's picked up on it? Words like forever, words like everlasting, without end. Jesus said that if we know him, we will know the Father. If we see him, we will see the Father. These scriptures are referring to Jesus. 
And in Jesus, we see the Father. In Jesus, it is said that he will last forever. His reign will be forever. His kingdom will be everlasting, without end. I hope I'm making myself clear. It is infinite. Infinite. And it's pretty hard for us with finite minds to grasp the reality of being infinite without end. Let me ask you a question to try and help us clarify this. Who believes themselves to be a a competent mathematician? A competent mathematician. Come on, who's brave enough? All right, you guys, get this. If you take 379 trillion... 589,275,635,200 235 I said thousand didn't I and five if we take that away from infinity infinity what are we left with we're left with infinity is that not true You can't subtract from infinity and get any less. And sometimes we think that God's like the sun and he's slowly winding down or slowly being subtracted from or that any of his characteristics are going to sort of reach a point where there'll be no more. You see, we've been talking a lot about grace and love lately and that's all wonderful And we experience that and understand that. And we love the aspect that God loves us and that grace abounds in our life. But this is love and grace from an infinite God. And if God is infinite, then his characteristics are the same. You know, we sing that song, some of you young'uns might know it off by heart, but us that have been around for a while know Amazing Grace. You heard of that one? About the fourth verse. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. I'm singing it out of key, but you get the point. We're no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Even after 10,000 years in the glory of God, we're still no less towards the end. It's an amazing concept and such a beautiful one, beautiful one to reflect upon that the God who loves us, the God who saved us, the God we worship and serve is without end. So here's another question. If God is without end... Does it not also make sense that his characteristics, his qualities, his attributes are also without end? Of course it is. Isaiah 9 verse 7 points to things like Jesus' authority, his peace, his justice, his righteousness. It said all these things will be without end. And here's a thought that I I reflected upon as I was thinking 
on these on on this. And as our brilliant mathematicians worked out that we can't take away from infinity, the opposite is also true in that we can't add to it either. So on one hand, you can't take away, on the other hand, you can't add. It just is. When God was asked by Moses, who shall I send is sending me, he just said, I am. It's sort of a all-encapsulating statement, isn't it? I am. You can't get more profound than that. You can't get more full or complete than that. If you listen and read and understand the, the concepts, especially in the New Testament, talking of the, the new covenant. You know, you often read about God's abundant riches, that he is rich in mercy, that he pours out abundantly. And sometimes we, we, we look at those phrases in the capacity of our, of our finite knowledge and understanding and think, well, there's got to be some end to that. There's got to be some limit to how much God can pour out. There's, you know, how can they just keep going and going and going? Who remembers the conversation that Jesus or Peter had with Jesus and Peter rocks up and says, Lord, how often should I forgive my brother? <laughs> Seven times, thinking he was great. Jesus said, well, actually, Peter, if you want to show the likeness of God, what about you try 70 times 7? Now, that gives us a number of 490, but what he was saying was that it should never be with limit. You try and forgive your brother 490 times in one day. You get a bit sick of it after the second time, don't you? I know you said sorry. Okay, I forgive you. But God is without limit. God is infinite. He is everlasting. Let's go to Romans 5. I want to pick up a few more points here. And look at the language. I want you to look at the language, okay? In Romans 5, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, who here has been justified, justified through faith? Yep. If you're not sure, come and see me. Through whom we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We are standing in God's grace. A grace that doesn't run out. A grace that keeps being poured out abundantly. A grace that is without end. And it goes on to say, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Notice it doesn't say we rejoice in the hope of our salvation. Paul is 
making a comment here that our hope is that one day we are going to stand in the glory of God. We are going to see with our own eyes all that he has been speaking about, all that he has, it has been revealed to him. And this glory will go on forever and ever and ever. What an interesting thing to try and reflect upon. Because again, we think in our, in our finite mind with limited understanding of how can we just keep going? What, where does it end? Where does infinity end? I mean, isn't it going to get a bit boring after the second time around? But you see, when we look at it from that concept, we're trying to understand with our own understanding, with our own limited knowledge that but we can't understand. How can we understand on this side of heaven, on this side of death, the glorious nature of God? Standing in his presence. And I don't even know if we can say day after day because there is no day or night in the kingdom of heaven. It just is. But then he goes on to talk about the hardships. First he reflects upon the glory of God, but then he goes on in verse 3 and says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. On the one hand, we, we look at our life. We look at the hardships. We look at the trials. We look at the circumstances. Paul says to us, rejoice in these. Who has uh, a bit of trouble rejoicing in their hardships? If we can be honest. Yeah. But this is what we're commanded to do. Why? Is Paul sort of trying to negate the difficulty of hardship? Is he trying to just sort of get us, you know, if we can just think positively about it, it'll get us through? No. But Paul came to a realization. And again, he talks about it in 2 Corinthians. And he talks about a treasure. Treasure in earthen vessels. I'm just going to head there for a sec. 2 Corinthians 4. Six and seven says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of 
Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Again, Paul is making a similar analogy. The abundance, the glory of God, this treasure that is infinite in nature resides in us, a finite vessel, an earthen vessel. And he says, there is a light to be shone in this. It's interesting that uh, I think to myself, well, the more cracked the vessel is, the more light shines out, doesn't it? So if you think you're a bit cracked up here this morning, that's okay. If you think you're a bit broken and chipped, praise the Lord. More chance for him to shine out. Doesn't he also say, that in our weakness, his strength is made perfect. Again, this, this collision of finite and infinite. This collision of eternal and temporary. And yet somehow God makes it work. And when we submit ourselves to that and allow that to work through our life, beautiful things happen. And again, we see there in 2 Corinthians 4, he he talks about being hard-pressed on every side, crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. Then he finishes off. In verse 15, all this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed each day. For our light and momentary troubles, okay, let's pick up on the language again here. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweigh it all. So Paul is not trying to disregard life. He's not trying to disregard, you know, that stuff happens in life. But he's saying no matter how hard it gets, it is temporary. There is an end to it. And we can push through. And we can hang on to God. And we can allow Him to bring us through that. And we can allow others to come around and encourage us through that. But it is temporary. Say it with me. My hardship is temporary. And does not compare to the eternal glory that awaits me. This treasure is eternal, but this vessel is not. And in our life, if our focus is on the vessel and all that we go through in our life, then we're going to have difficulty understanding 
that that will come to an end. But if we can have our minds set, as Paul does here, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And then in verse 18, So we fix our eyes on not what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Does that give you hope this morning? Does that encourage you this morning? That life happens, but the glory of God goes on forever. There is an eternal, everlasting gift. We know who that gift is, Jesus Christ. A gift given to mankind, a gift given to us. For unto us a child is born. A son has been born to us. Again, back to Romans 5. Did I tell you to keep your finger there? Well, go. doesn't matter. Go back there. Verse 15. But the gift is not like the trespass. Okay? For if the many died by the trespass of one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? So again, just to, for time's sake, it's talking about Adam and his trespass in the garden. And because of that, death came to mankind. Okay, We know that. If you've been around us for a while, we've shared on this many, many, many times. Death came because of Adam. But the gift is Jesus who is eternal life. And the two are not the same. Paul is trying to make a point here that the trespass actually has limit. But the gift is without end. And when we can see that, it encourages us more and more and more. The trespass is unlike the gift. Adam, the first Adam, is very much unlike the second Adam, Jesus. The first Adam was temporary in his body. Jesus lives forever. The trespass brought us death. The gift of Jesus brought us life. The trespass came at a cost. Because the wages of that trespass, the wages of sin is death. But the gift is free. The trespass brought us condemnation. The gift brings us redemption. The trespass brings us torment. But the gift brings us peace. The trespass is temporary. The gift is everlasting. And when you look at those two columns, on the column of trespass, you've got death, you've got wages, you've got tom- condemnation, you've got torment. Guess what? They're all temporary. Hallelujah. They are all temporary. I know when you're going through it, it just seems like it's going forever at times. But let me assure you, It is 
temporary. But look at the list on the gift side, on the side of Jesus. Life, freedom, redemption, peace. All of these things are everlasting. Why? Because they come from an everlasting God. A God who is without end. A God who doesn't run out. Who never grows weary. Who never slumbers and sleeps. We sang about it this morning. Everlasting God. So my challenge to us this morning in sharing this and what I believe God wants to challenge us in this morning is where is our focus as Paul says is our focus is in what we are seeing because if that is our focus if our circumstances and what we see happening around us is our focus good bad or indifferent we're going to come unstuck We're going to find ourselves on a roller coaster. But if our focus is in what is unseen, on the everlasting eternal Father, on the gift of life, then my friends, our life will be much more pleasant. I'm not going to say that stuff won't happen. It will still happen. Let me assure you. In this world, you will have trouble. But have peace, for I have overcome. The eternal has overcome the temporary. The unseen has overcome what is seen. I want to encourage you this morning. God is speaking to you about this. Are you trying to evaluate the infinite qualities of God with the finite outcomes of your circumstances. I'm going to ask the team to come. I haven't queued them up for this, so can we have Tessa's out the back? That's all right. I'll do the singing. You're going to have to help me out. We're going to sing that song again, Everlasting God. As they prepare themselves, find in your, in your scriptures Hebrews 7, and we're going to, I want to leave you with one last scripture. Just no plain though. Hebrews 7 and verse 24. Let's start from verse 23. Now there have been many of those priests since death prevented them from continuing office. But because Jesus lives forever, okay, that's what we've been talking about this morning, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, Again, listen to the language. Listen to the language. (sighs) 
Therefore, he's able to save completely. Completely. Those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. Guys, we can miss it so easily. We can just skim over that statement and think nothing of it. But dig out the treasure to be found in this one sentence. Therefore, he is able to save completely, fully, without anything else to be done. And in verse 28, For the law appoints as high priests men who are weak. But the oath which came after the law appointed the Son who has been made perfect forever. I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe there's stuff going on in your life and you think, will this ever come to an end? Well, I hope, I hope you heard what Holy Spirit was saying to the, with a resounding yes. It will come to an end. He's saying, don't look at what is seen, but look to the unseen. If this morning you don't know about this God, this Jesus, who can so completely save you, then I don't think you're there. It's a no-brainer as far as I'm concerned, but you need to make a decision to fall completely into his hands because this completeness that the Bible is telling about, this fullness, this eternity, this infinite nature of God is only accessible when we fall into the hands of Christ. It is only through, as Hebrews says, the priest who lives forever, that the gift can be imparted. So if you want to, to know this Jesus, give your heart to him this morning. It's as simple as that. It is through faith.